All right, welcome back to the 98 Studios podcast. I'm Zach. I'm here today with Jim Bell, my friend. Um, we are going to be talking about his career at BYU TV and everything he's accomplished in the last 70, 80 it's years. Be a short podcast. <laughs> we should be out of here in about four minutes. Everything he's done, it will be pretty quick. Um, no, I'm excited. I've known Jim for nine years. Nine years, yeah. Taught me guitar. No, you came, you strolled into my house as a pretty good guitarist, I would say. He made me better. Um, yeah. And just excited to hear about your journey. You graduated in English at BYU. Yeah. I have kind of a, it's a long convoluted story, but it starts with my uncle. His name was Jerry Hopper was a director in Hollywood and he did a lot of early films that I don't even remember. They were before I was born. But when I was a little boy, he was one of the directors of the TV show Perry Mason, which everyone knows Perry Mason. It's a, it's a legal, you know, uh, series. And I grew up watching Perry Mason because my uncle Jerry directed it and I wanted to be a lawyer. And I spent, I don't know how many years planning on being a lawyer. And I got to the last semester of my senior year in college. I had taken the LSAT. I had all my applications filled out for law school, but I was taking a Shakespeare class that I really liked. And one night I kind of thought, why do I want to be a lawyer? Is it, you know, is this it's really? a little bit late because, for that. Yeah, I was a little late. Uh, you know, it's like, okay, my uncle was a Hollywood director and directed Perry Mason, but what does that have to do with me and what I want to do? And I decided I didn't want to be a lawyer. So I, I changed my major from political science to English. I did an, uh, a major in English in three semesters and then did a master's degree in English transferred from a university in California up to BYU and graduated from BYU. And then I took off into book publishing. I was planning to, I wanted to teach university and uh, there were no jobs. We were in a recession at the time and it was just bleak. And I had a wife and a child and needed to pay rent. So I got a a job in book publishing, went to magazine publishing, and then about 20 years ago moved into television. And I, I, my uncle Jerry is long since dead, but I know there's this, you know, he got me. I I feel like I've kind of come around in this circle and now I work in the field that inspired me to be a lawyer. Go figure. So leaving school, did you know that that's what you'd want to end up doing at all? Or you no, just, no. just kind of all came together? No, I liked, I liked book publishing. I liked magazines. I liked print. And I, I was a print editor. I started writing, um, wrote a, a, a few books. Um, and really that's where I planned to spend my life. But I, I had gotten to know a number of people at what was then KBYU. It was a PBS station. And uh, they would have me come on and do pledge drives. I was the, and you, you kids are all too young to remember pledge drives, but 
you'll still see them on KUED and PBS stations, but I was an on-air pledge talent. So wow, I got to official. know, yeah, I, I, you know, was with people in television. I was on television. I'd get recognized in grocery stores and uh, there, there was an opportunity to, to move over to television. And I was in my forties and I, rather than, I, I call it my midlife crisis rather than buy a portion marry a 20 year old. I, I moved my career from book pub, magazine publishing at the time to television and, and I had to learn it, uh, you know, on the fly. I, I knew just enough to, uh, <laughs> so no schooling, no schooling, no schooling for no schooling. what you're doing. And the only thing that saved me was the internet was a th- you know, starting to be a thing. And I would sit in meetings and I'd hear terms. I had no idea what they meant and I'd go Google them. And <laughs> that's, <laughs> I'll get back to you in a little bit. I got to research it. And he, and I've been in it now for 20 years and I still, I'll Google things from time to time. It's like, I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> so I Google it. So anyway, yeah. Self-taught in television. And I've stayed in television since that switch in in your forties. Yeah. But the, the through line is that I've always been a storyteller and I've, you know, I've helped people tell their stories in books and magazines. I've told my stories. I've written biographies of people's life stories and with television, it's, it's just all storytelling. And I figured out a, a several years ago, I'm a storyteller and I just, I work in different media, but that's what I do is I tell stories. Not very good ones. (laughs) I've never heard of any of them, but just getting over the years, some great stories. Um, And where are you right now? What are you doing? Still at BYU. Still at BYU. You you mentioned me being in my 80s, which isn't quite true. (laughs) Almost. I'm, I'm headed there. Um, I'm working on several shows. I work on a show called Random Acts. I work on a show called All Round Champion. It's one of my favorites. Uh, I do a show called Family Rules. It's a Sunday kind of talk show format. I've done game shows. I've done cooking shows. I work with the Tabernacle Choir on, on their big concerts, the Christmas concert and other concerts. Um, I've done scripted comedy. I developed an animated series that never made it to air. We got to get a hold of that. We'll produce it for you. Yeah, it's pretty good, I think. It's a pretty good. And it actually is, it's an Adam and Eve story. Perfect. Yeah, that's my. The comedy. The the animated series. The animated series. uh, I better not say too much because you know, oh, it's still, this is, still it's a still pretty pending. good idea. This is great. Okay, I'll don't give anything someday. away. Yeah. Don't give anything away. Yeah. Um, my wife does film stuff yeah. and she's had some she's good. crazy. She is good. She's had some crazy stories in the industry. I want to hear. I know you've been at BYU, but one of the craziest or coolest stories of being in the television world for the last 30 years. Oh gosh. Um, you narrow it down to one. Sabrina would have more interesting stories. You should have her on the podcast. I mean, Next. I've, I've worked with people in LA. I've, you know, I, I work with production companies in Toronto, but 
Sabrina would have better stories. My, um, I don't know. I'll have to think about crazy stories. Or just the coolest. The, the coolest story to me is, I'll try to make this short. When I was a senior in high school, there was a record store that I would go to. This was back in the original days of vinyl. And it was run by this hippie who also sold pot out of the back room, but we weren't supposed to know that. And I'd go in and he'd tell me about, you know, albums that were, you know, I, I mean, I knew the Beatles and, you know, all of them. And, but he'd say, Hey, you ought to listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. And he shows me this album one day and he says, buy this, you got to hear this. And I listened to it. It was this guy no one had ever heard of. And, um, I listened to this album, loved it, tried to, you know, I introduced it to a lot of my friends. I was, I was a, a guitar player and, and hung out with a lot of musicians. Nobody had any interest in him. And uh, I was like, wow, this guy's amazing. You ought to pay attention. A year later, he came out with his second album. And uh, my, I was home for Christmas break. I'd gone out with my high school girlfriend and she says, Hey, I got to play you this new album I, I have. So she turns it on and I said, well, that's who I was trying to get you to listen to a year <laughs> this and is a my half guy. ago. You know, this is my guy. It's James Taylor. And some of um, you may have heard of James Taylor. And, uh, so fast forward, uh, nine years ago, he came up and did a concert with the Tabernacle Choir, the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. And I was one of the producers on it. And I was actually on my honeymoon the week he was here in Salt Lake performing. So I didn't get to meet him. If I, had, if I hadn't married Dang Diane, it. I would have spent was the it week worth with it? <laughs> Marrying her was well worth it. And uh, so I handled all the post-production the editing and the song selection and that kind of thing. And um, he had, so I went, I spent hours and hours with his assistant on in email and calls and things. And he had to approve the concert and we were down to, it was the Tuesday before the, uh, I think Sunday it was supposed to air and we hadn't heard from him. And, and late Tuesday night, I got this email from her name is Ellen Kusman. Ellen sends me this email and she says, Hey, I'm, I'm here with James and he's telling me what to write. He approves the concert as is no changes. He loves it. Thanks for all your good work. And he would like to invite you and Diane to come as his guests to one of his concerts this summer. I'm like, Oh my gosh. And you and 20,000 people. <laughs> yeah, well, so we went, we went to Ohio and, uh, and then met him after the that show and spent about half an hour with him. And we won a, we won an Emmy for that show. And I, uh, I asked if they would like a statue and she said, Oh yeah, absolutely. So I get them a statue and it, the way it, it's his was a commemorative Emmy but it has my name on it as oh, the producer. Is- so in his, I, he, he posted it on Facebook. There's a picture of this Emmy statue with, you know, James Taylor and the Tabernacle choir producer, Jim Bell. So my name is on got the chills. Emmy there it in is his 
in his barn where he does all of his recording. And I, I got to meet this boyhood hero that, and I took, when I, when we went and met him, I took this album. It was, he was discovered by the Beatles and he was the first artist they signed to Apple records. And I took the album and I, I said, when I met him, I said, Hey, I've been carrying this around for, you know, 50 years, hoping I'd run into you sometime. And he laughed and, and he said, you have that album? And I, cause no one bought it. It was, it was, it <laughs> didn't. I couldn't get any of my friends to listen yeah. to it. Will you sign it? And he said, you have that album? And I said, yeah, I claim to be the first person in California to have bought this album. And he said, you may be the only person <laughs> in a, California, rare which find. wasn't true, but yeah, I got to meet. So that was pretty cool. You know, awesome, I, huh? uh, Never in a million years would have dreamed I'd ever meet or spend time with or, you know, share an Emmy with James Taylor, but that's how life worked out. So, yeah. A lot. I've hung out with you a lot and I don't know these things. Huh. I, I would be more nervous I'm, to interview you if I'm I, surprised if I, I knew how cool you. you were. But I've worked with, you know, I've worked with interesting people. I've interviewed a lot of people. I've written articles about some interesting people and just had... You know what I found? I, I was I was back in New York once. I was hired by a pharmaceutical company to write a script for a thing they were doing. And I went back and I was really quite intimidated. I I flew back. They had a car waiting for me at the airport. I had never had a car sent for me. I go to the hotel, get up the next morning, and I'm like, man, I'm I'm a kid from Utah here, you know, with this, it's a huge pharmaceutical company. And during the day, I realized I'm as smart as these guys, you know, and we did the project and it worked. And I just, you know, little by, I, I think we, this is, you didn't even ask me this question, but I, you know, I think we all grow up with a lot of insecurities and we all have a lot of reasons why, well, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. And, you know, really we can. And if, you know, I've just, I figured a lot of stuff out. I've realized even though, you know, unlike your awesome wife, Sabrina, I haven't, you know, I haven't worked in LA. I've worked with a lot of people from LA and, and made some great friends and had some great experiences. So whether you're in Utah, Toronto, LA, New York, wherever it is, you know, there's some cool stuff to do and I'm glad I've had the opportunities I have. 30 years. How long have you been in television? It said 20. you're okay. About 20 years. Google, when I researched, told me 30, 20, 20 years. They're giving you 10. Yeah, <laughs> no, not that long. Um, it's changed even with just the five years I've done audio. Oh my gosh. It's, yeah. it's gone. I've done music for five years and I learned stuff that was the time what I should be learning yeah. and already opening the studio. It's completely different. Podcasts weren't. A really a thing going on now everybody's doing a podcast yep. it's just the world is changing yep how do you feel like you've kept up like stayed relevant and still keep doing projects and learning how have you stayed learning all the oh, new well, things and well that's a good question it i mean it is part of it is just i've stayed curious i i like to learn i like to grow i don't ever you know i hope i never get to the point where i feel like well i've accomplished what i need to and so part of it i think is an innate desire um part of it is you know a curiosity and i do 
I, I read, I spend a lot of time on the internet, you know, just Googling things, researching things, trying to learn new things. In, in some ways, you know, you mentioned music and music is, it's EAB or CFG, or, you know, there's a chord progression that you can, you listen to most any song. I, I saw a hysterical thing on YouTube several years ago of this guy. He, he took every popular song in the world and showed that it's all EAB, you know, it's, that's it's the, the chord same. Progression. It's a sad, it's, sad realization when you find out everything's the same. Yeah. So in some ways, everything's the same. And yet everything is different. The way people make a living in music has completely reversed from, you know, 10, 15 years ago. You made your money on albums and now everything is digital and, you know, artists are getting nothing for their songs. So they make their money with touring. Well, it used to be you toured to sell albums. Now you essentially give away albums to tour. So with television, the, it, you know, it has changed. It's changed a lot. The, you know, when I was a boy, I love saying that there were, you know, in, in Los Angeles where I grew up, there were four channels. There were five, probably there were ABC, NBC, CBS, there was a PBS station, and then there was KTLA Channel 5, which was an independent station. There was So there were five channels, and that was it. Now, gosh, who knows how many. Too many. There, there's so many channels, and, you know, whoever you are, you create a video and put it on YouTube, and you can be an overnight sensation. But the what I think remains the same are the elements of a good story. And people are always interested in a good story. And and you go back to the Iliad and the Odyssey, which are, you know, two of the earliest stories ever written, or even the the Bible, it's just storytelling. And, you know, whether it's the story of Adam and Eve or Noah or Moses, you know, being, you know, sailing down the river in a whatever it was, that his mother put him in to save his life. It's all just stories. And it, so yeah, things have changed, changed dramatically and they've also kind of stayed the same. Yeah. It's EAB. Sad, sad for me, but trying to create a new song. It's tough when that's what's going on. It's everything. Do it in the key of F and then it's different. You know, you guys have never heard anything like it. It's like, wow. It's it's all new. What what current projects are you working on? What are you what are you doing? Um I mean you kinda went over it right now, but Yeah, I, I mean I have several projects that are they've been in production. I have a, a documentary that I'm hoping to uh to get into production. We're talking ser- it's actually an idea I I was asked to work on about twelve or thirteen years ago. Oh wow. And it, you know, I, I did a bunch of work. It was, man, eh, no, we're not interested at this point. And then I tried again. No, not interested. Finally, there's an interest and we may, we may get it off the ground. I really, if I could go back and do life again, I think I would have really zeroed in on being a documentary filmmaker. That's what I really have a lot of passion around, but I still love the other thing. Yeah, there's still time. And, uh, I've done documentaries and, this is one that would be 
it's it's more uh, you know in the realm of social issues it and and i i'm very interested in that interestingly my my political science background which is what i studied before i changed to english still informs me and i'm i'm fascinated by politics i my wife hates it that i watch so much news but um, yeah, I've got a documentary I hope to get off the ground. I've, I mean, this is a, it's not a big project, but the group Vocal Point, which is very well known in, in Utah and LDS circles, is doing a concert up in the Salt Lake Tabernacle on Ju- July 9th. And we're, I'm going to produce a, a concert from that that we'll edit and, and have on our air. So, you know, I've always got, some new things. Always something. Going. Yeah. I'll be awesome. I actually have a novel that I want to write that I've been starting to think really seriously about. I'd so, love it. Yeah. We'll you, see. You gotta do a little bit of everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> going back to the documentary being like, no, no. And then finally, yes, after thirteen years, what's the drive behind just knowing that a project is worth it and keep at it for that long? Yeah, I have um it's just been, it's it's been something that's been of interest to me, and you know I'm hoping now the time is right. I was talking to, there was a movie that came out oh four or five years ago called Hacksaw Ridge, that um, was kind of Mel Gibson's comeback. He had fallen from favor in Hollywood, and and this movie, I, I think he directed it, and I was talking i one of the things i do is i volunteer at the sundance film festival and i met the producer of the film and we spent quite a bit of time talking and he said yeah i've been i've been trying to get this film made for like 10 years it was eight nine ten years and he said i kept you know running into dead ends and people would say yes and then it was no and he said it's just been a passion of mine to get this film made and finally all the pieces you know, fell into place. He kept, he didn't, he didn't give up at the first no or the second no or the 20th no. He just kept going. And JK, JK Rawlings is an example that, uh, you know, some of you have probably heard of Harry Potter or some, some stupid series. I mean, and everyone knows this story, but she had been turned down by like 54 publishers before someone said, yeah, we'll publish your little book. And they didn't expect it to be anything. So, you know, I, I'm not JK Rawlings, but I almost, you know, no, no. (laughs) it'll be in another life, another another galaxy far, far away. Yes. Perfect. Um, we'll have to cut this cause I'm gathering my, my thoughts. Um, taking it so many i feel like i don't want to take you in so many different just, directions that there's no topic I just, well my mind just goes in a lot of different directions i think it's so, great yeah, it's all been that's what it does well yeah. it's all been good yeah but um i was after talking to this mike but um how did you kind of get to the point where you are at at byu like how long did it take what was kind of the road to that point well it was um i started when I when I graduated with my master's degree, I wanted to move to California. I'd grown up there. I, I wanted to live in Northern California. I was actually 
offered a job with a book publisher in San Francisco. But when the woman offered it to me, she said, I, the job is yours if you want it, but I know you can't afford to take it because she knew I was married and had a, a child. And she said, you can't afford to live on what I can pay you. And I had to turn the job down, which broke my heart. It was a good publisher. It was a good job. But really, I couldn't live on it. And so I came back and was offered a job at BYU in book publishing. And I took it. And in Utah, I could, it was actually more money that, than they had offered me in San Francisco, not by a lot. But I could live on it here. And so I've been at BYU uh, virtually my entire career, which was never my plan. I, I if you had asked me, you know, in high school, do you want to work at the same place for 40 years not in a million years? But it's been, I've gone from one job to another, to another, to another, to another. And um, so I just, yeah, I kind of, I did not plan it that way. It's worked out well for me. Um, it wouldn't work for a lot of people. Um, I, <laughs> this is not a, a an exact comparison, but Bob Iger, who was the CEO of Disney until a couple of years ago, he actually worked for the same employer. He started at ABC right out of college and worked up through the ranks to where he was CEO of the Disney Corporation, which had bought ABC. So Bob Iger and I have had a <laughs> very similar, <laughs> very similar career <laughs> paths. And it works for some people and it really doesn't work for a lot of people. But for me and my family circumstances, my children, some things that we won't get into, it, it worked out pretty well. And so, I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah. With uh, getting that no, you're not taking that job with the publishing. Did that feel at the time like you weren't going to have another op opportunity like that or you knew that? No, I think that um, – I was doing freelance work at the time in Utah. We had gone out there to – I'd spent a week out there really cold calling in a number of cases, just dropping off my resume, meeting with editors. I'd sent letters out. I'd, I you know, came back knowing I had, I had freelance work I was doing. It was about um, six months later that I was offered this full-time job. I, I guess I was young and stupid enough. I just figured the right opportunity would come along. And it, and fortunately it did. So I hear a lot of people say we're lucky we're in the right, right place, right time. It worked out. But do you think that there's the pattern of you knew that it would work out because you were making those opportunities available and just kept like cold calling editors seems like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I've never really asked myself that question. I feel very, very fortunate and blessed. I feel extremely blessed beyond anything I deserve, but I've also, you know, I've worked hard. I've yeah. tried to be a good employer. I, or a, a, a good employee. I've also tried to be a good employer when I've hired people. But I've, you know, in it's like I, you know, I love to play golf, and there's an old saying in golf. I, I think it's attributed to Ben Hogan or some famous old dead golfer. He said, you know, the more I practice, the luckier I get. 
And, and golf is a game of luck. There, you know, it's the ball lands and it can bounce, you know, left, it can bounce right, it can roll into the hole, it can roll into the river. Um, but the more you practice, the luckier you get. And I, I mean, I'm, I am nothing special. I've tried to work hard. I've tried to do a good job. I've tried to learn and grow and progress. And, and I've been very, you know, probably a combination of blessed and lucky and other things. And I, you know, I, I'm a, I think I'm a spiritual person. I have a religious orientation and someday I may stand with God and he'll say, you know, (laughs) I bailed you out here and I did this and I did this. And I just, I just kind of go, you know, I, I'm thankful every day for the opportunities and, and try to make the most of them. So. And then, this podcast is just about like people feeling like they're in the nine to five that they don't want to be in and scared of taking the risk of like becoming what they want to do. Just as far as advice, um, we're just starting out, me and Jack starting out in the production world and trying to get into it. And you've lived a career doing it. Um, and I think that you've done enough jobs of seeing just ways that people can feel like you can do that job. And there's tons of opportunity to be able to do what you want to be doing. Yeah. You know, find it. This is a cliche, but find something you're passionate about and then, you know, give it your very best shot. Um, I'm more the audio side and Jack's more the film side. So I just want to see if you had any more. I, I would just thought that like on the subject of college, it's neither of us went to college. And I think a lot of my mentors in this like kind of video production space have told us like, or have told me it's more about who you know than what you know kind of thing. Very true. And I guess if you could just speak to that on like on your journey, like did it help more? I guess, I mean, you said it really like you didn't know much when you got into this space. Like was, Mm -hmm. was it just your mentors along the way that taught you everything or, and did it help knowing all those people? I've had good mentors. I've known, you know, uh, I, the way I got to KBYU was I worked with a guy. He was on the print side and he went to run KBYU. And it was 15 years later, he had actually left, but that's how I got to know the people at, at KBYU that, that led me to that job. It's Jack, you're right. You know, a lot of people, do very well in the film industry in television with no formal education. Some I can James Cameron, who he did a little film called The Titanic. It, it's some people have seen it. And Avatar, some I don't know, they're blue people. I'll look or it something. up. Never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, look at Google him. James Cameron. He, he actually lived in in Ontario, Canada, where I served my mission. Then he moved to Brea, California, which is right next door to where I grew up. He and I both went to Fullerton College. He dropped out after a semester, or maybe a year, but he didn't. He he never finished. He got a job as a PA on a film, and and turned parlayed that over time into, you know, writing, directing, and producing Titanic and Avatar and a lot of other films. You have George Lucas and Steven Spielberg and and uh, Ron Howard, who I believe all three went to USC, and, and they've done pretty good as well. You know, they've, they've done okay. 
Um, <laughs> you know, if you take the four of them, there's billions and billions of dollars that Lots they've made in filmmaking. So you, and and you can't say, well, you have, you know, one out of four didn't go to college. I'm just picking four names I'm yeah. aware of. And there are lots of other James Camerons. There are lots of other Steven Spielbergs. There are a lot of ways to succeed. You know, if you're going to be a doctor, you better plan on going to medical school. For sure. And passing the boards. You know, there there have been a few imposters over the years. But, you know, that's kind of your prescribed career path. With filmmaking and television – you're exactly right. There are a lot of people with no formal education, but they, number one, if they're any good, they know what a good story is. They have fertile, creative minds. They make connections. They get to know people. They, they work, you know, what James Cameron did on his first job. There's a great podcast, not to promote other podcasts. <laughs> How dare you? But it's called Blockbuster, and it's James Cameron's story. He was a PA on this film, and he worked his tail off to, to be successful on kind of this low-budget, you know, action thriller, kind of B-type movie in, in Hollywood. And and he he solved problems that other people couldn't solve. He, he used his creative mind. His dad was an engineer, which I think he had some of that in in his genetic makeup. And he worked really hard, and that led to another job and another job and another job into Titanic. So yeah, yeah. I feel like especially in the film industry, it's hard because there it really isn't like that like set path no. of like you just kind of like throw stuff at the wall and hope it sticks. And then eventually something does. Yeah. Yeah. And try really hard throwing. If, if you get accepted into USC law school, you've got a pretty darn good shot at being a successful lawyer. Yeah. You know, you uh, maybe, maybe one or 2% don't make it. And they wash out because they snort too much cocaine or whatever it is. (laughs) So, you know, law school, Pretty sure career path. Yeah. Screenwriting at USC, no guarantees of anything. Yeah. You 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 have the opportunity and it's and it's going to be about, you know, meeting people, working with people, networking yeah. with people. Not in a you don't want to think of networking as using people, but mm-hmm. it's it's being available. It's working hard. It's you know, it, it's doing whatever you're asked to do and then doing it better and setting yourself apart. And I'm not a competitive person. I don't, I don't view life as, you know, I need to tear you down to build me up. So when I say, you know, do better than other people, it isn't to, you know, step on them as you rise to the top. It's to just single yourself out as someone who can add value. I I think if, if I were to boil this all down, boil it down for it'd us. be, you know, find a way to add value, whatever it is you do. You know, if you're a, if you're a, a, a checker at Walmart, add value to what you do. Be nice to people, smile at people, you know, and, and then, you know, suddenly you're the manager of Walmart and, and then go into film or I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like that's how like, that whole PA thing is like 
you get started as that PA and you make good impressions and all the important people on set yeah. and then you get, you just get hired on for bigger things. And yeah. So. I mean, you're getting people coffee. You're making, yeah. you're making copies. You're, you're, you're meeting someone at the front door and bringing them back. But if, if you're the one who meets the person at the front door to bring them back to the studio, be friendly and ask them questions and get to know them and make an impression because that person may be the one who's hiring an assistant producer on, you know, three projects from now and remembers you that you did more than open the door and, you know, kind of begrudgingly, begrudgingly, you know, walk them back to the studio while you're thinking, I'm smarter than all these people, you know, I, <laughs> totally. you know, it's not going to get you far. Yeah. yeah. Well, wrapping up, thank you for coming on. Yeah, of course thanks for having me. Well, thank you for coming on yeah. everyone. Be good. Learn something from Jim, and thank you. Zach did. I did. I, I'm still trying. I'm still trying hard. No, thank you for your time. Thanks.